It is a live NBA trade deadline special. The Jazz have made a move I can talk about. Another that has been mentioned. We'll get to it at some point. The NBA has a bunch of different moves taking place along it, and we will get to all of those coming up as we are live for an NBA trade deadline special here on Locked on Jazz. Well, I don't know. Do we do that for a trade deadline special? We just did. We'll come... You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A live NBA trade deadline special edition of Locked On Jazz coming your direction as the Jazz have made one deal that I can officially talk about. They trade Simone Fontecchio to the Detroit Pistons for a second round pick. We'll be talking about that one. There are other rumors out there, but as an employee of the team, I just want to clarify this to everybody. I cannot discuss things until they are uh, officially announced uh, or else. I don't know what I mean, or else probably Uh, we are live both on Instagram at DLocko9 as well as on our YouTube channel here. So thank you very much uh, for tuning in. I'll try to get to your comments and your suggestions to live show. Let's start with the first deal. That is out there that is official as of right now. We'll be monitoring Twitter to see what else might come or X. That is probably, unfortunately, still our best place for these things. Um, As much as we would like to uh, not always rely on them, but today is a back of day. I think we're all back on that. Uh, All right, so here is the first deal. The Jazz have acquired Kevin Knox, a second-round pick, uh, which is uh, the best of, uh, I think it's Washington or Memphis will probably be the, about the 32nd pick of the draft, the rights to, uh, an Italian young 22 year old Italian and, uh, for Simone Fontecchio. So for all intents and purposes, uh, it's a reclamation project to Kevin Knox, but it, I, he doesn't have anything left on his contract. So I think that's unexpected. It's Simone for a second round pick in a lot of ways here. Let, let me break this down. I, the first thing I would say is I'm not surprised at all that Simone got traded. Uh, He has had a fabulous year. Uh, He has been just terrific um, in in, in the starting lineup and done uh, for the Jazz uh, and has been a player that if I was a high-level team in the NBA, I would want to go get immediately. Like that to me. So the stunner to me is who he was traded for, not that Simone was traded. So there, there's. I, I would have thought he was probably the most on in demand player on our roster, other than Lowry. That he went to the Pistons instead of a contender, stunner. From a now, let me flip it to just a Jazz standpoint. If the Detroit Pistons are calling you about Simone Fontecchio, and they have forty-seven million dollars of cap space next year. And Simone is a restricted free agent. I think it has to go into your thought process that they're going to offer him such a significant deal that you're better off trading him and getting an asset for him than losing him as a restricted free agent in the offseason to the Detroit Pistons if the, if the Pistons really want him. And the Pistons then later trade Boyan Bogdanovich, and he's a nice replacement. So that's the first thing. The second part of the question is, did the Jazz get enough value for Simone Fontecchio by getting a late or early second round pick? 
Last year on the trade deadline, there were only eight first-round picks that moved. Four for Kevin Durant. One for Josh Hart. Good job, Portland. Josh Hart's good, though. One for Jakob Pertl. Good job, Spurs. That was a bad trade by the Raptors. And one for the Mike Conley mix of things for Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and all those things. Actually, to the credit, the Lakers gave up that and didn't get Mike Conley somehow. Uh, so the Jazz got one of the eight. Really, there was, right, there was one traded that that was for Kevin. So really, there were three first-round picks traded that weren't Kevin Durant first-round picks last year. So far in this trade deadline, there were three first-round picks traded for Pascal Siakam. There was a first-round draft pick traded for Terry Rozier. There seems to have been a first-round draft pick traded for P.J. Washington by Dallas. And there is a discussed other one that I don't have, can't talk about. So to get a early second for Simone Fontecchio feels pretty good. In that we have not had a lot of first-round picks swapped. The players out there, by the way, Jeremy Grant, DeJounte Murray, all these others who claimed... Alex Caruso, that teams claim we have to have multiple first-round picks so we're not trading them. Hat with 11 minutes to go to the deadline, none of them have moved yet. Not a single one of those players has moved yet that was multiple first-round pick players other than Pascal Siakam. So, Simone Fontecchio, who was a starter for us, but I think is, you know, like a Borderline starter, bench player, 24-minute night, really good. To get a second, early second for him from a team that is showing interest who has $47 million of cap space next year, who probably is going to make an offer for him that you're not going to match, not bad. And one thing I talk a lot about is asset evolution. Jazz took Simone Fontecchio out of, Italy gave him a two-year contract. As of this point last year, we don't know that he's an NBA player. At the beginning of training camp, he's good. We still don't entirely know he's an NBA player. He now garners you an an asset. There is an argument, by the way, that because of the new collective bargaining agreement that you can sign these four second-round picks to, that the early second-round picks are almost a little bit better than the late first-round picks. And there's also a belief that if you have an early second and you have a player that you want at 26, 24, 25, 26, 27, and you have a team that isn't up, up against the apron, they'll probably would make that swap. Give them a few million dollars to make that swap. Uh, because you just kind of can get, you. if you're a tax team, you don't have any uh, flexibility on those deals because their draft picks are set. Um, so I think that's, as we isolate that aspect of things on that, I think it makes sense. Um, or at least it's understandable. Uh, Simone's a great dude. I, I feel awful for Simone in that he and his wife, this is just so brutal. He and his wife moved from Italy, well, Italy, but also all of his European playing to the United States with a young daughter last year. His wife doesn't speak a lot of English. I mean, it was a really hard year for them. 
They come back this year. Mateo opens his restaurant. Simone's got it figured out. He's going there after games. He's feeling really good about things. He's comfortable. He's playing great. He's starting, and now he's in Detroit. Not anything against Detroit, but just like just a dramatic change, and they have to go through. It's actually probably more international than Salt Lake. They have to go through all of that again. So I feel really, really bad for him. Let's talk about Kevin Knox for a second. So Kevin Knox is on a minimum salary. I I don't have particularly like feel that he was a major part of the deal. He's a six foot, he's 24 years old now. He's a six foot nine, former ninth pick of the draft by the New York Knicks. He was a, as I like to talk about with player development, I talk about Oreo cookies. And with Oreo cookies, I talk about the fact that you can take a young player and they're an Oreo cookies are fabulous. They're perfect combination of everything. And then if you dip them in milk, and you over dip an Oreo cookie, then all you get is you get it. It falls apart and it gets to the bottom of your cup. And now you ruined a perfectly good Oreo cookie. But if you dip it in milk just right. And you, it's perfection. So you got to be careful with young players that you don't over dip the Oreo cookie is the theory. I don't know whether maybe Kevin Knox was a Canadian Oreo cookie, which if you've ever had a Canadian Oreo cookie, they don't taste as good, which is totally frightening about what our FDA allows us to put in our Oreo cookies that taste good. And they don't allow into theirs if we're being perfectly honest about it. But it's true. They don't taste as good. And maybe Kevin Knox is a Canadian Oreo cookie that just actually doesn't have all the NBA skills. But I I will tell you this. Uh the 75 games he played as a 19-year-old rookie, starting 57 of them in New York, playing 30 minutes a night when he wasn't ready, was an over-dipped Oreo cookie of hellacious proportions. So Kevin Knox in his rookie year shot 37% and 34% from three and played 20, not eight minutes a night as a 19-year-old in the pressure of New York as a top 10 pick. And then kind of crumbled in New York, using the analogy. Shot 35 the next year, 39 the next year. Three-point shooting got less good. Thirty, And then he gets traded. He goes to Atlanta for 17 games. Last year, he starts the year in Detroit, in Portland for 21 games and actually plays like, all right, 17 minutes off the bench, 44% for the field, doesn't shoot it great. Goes to Detroit for 42 games and does shoot it well. He shoots 47% from the field in 37% from three. And then this year in 31 games in New York, he start in Detroit, he starts 11. He shoots 46% from the field and 33% from three. So he's not, he's not been terrific. I will say this. There's an interesting thing going on in his career. His two point shooting percentage, which in his opening three years in New York was below 40%, which is horrific. Has suddenly gone way up. Last year was at 60%, and this year's at 60%. In the last two years, his effective field goal percentage is 56% and 55%. He does not go to the free throw line at all. He does not pass very much. There are problems, like, but there's actually something there that is showing some signs of improvement at 23, 24 years old on his two-point shooting. His assist rate's absurdly low. His rebounding rate is not great. His um, three-point shooting still only average, and he doesn't go to the free throw line. He, I think he's made 21 of his 22 free throws this year, but that's just not very many. 
20, 20 of his 22. And last year, he went to the free throw line 60 times in 63 games. And he has like 53 assists in his last, you know, like 100 games. So, um, so that's who Kevin Knox is. I, I don't think that's why we made the deal. Um, I do think it's worth probably kicking the tires on him a little bit. Uh, Woj with a few more updates. The Atlanta Hawks are keeping DeJounte Murray. Okay, so we have yet to see a player move for multiple first-round picks here. And we've only seen, as of right now, Pascal Siakam, three first-round picks. Jerry Rozier, first-round pick. P.J. Washington, first-round pick. And there's another deal out there that as an employee of the Utah Jazz, I'm not allowed to talk about that seems to possibly be talked about that might have a first-round pick. So I would say, like, my assessment of the Utah Jazz trade deadline now with three minutes to go is they have gotten very good value for for Simone Fontecchio, they they got val they got value, like of the like Xavier Tillman got two late seconds, Monty Morris got a second, Royce O'Neal actually got three seconds. Surprising. Buddy Heald is really good. Got three seconds, not a first. Really can shoot. Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks got you two seconds, and Quinton Grimes. Two seconds for Boyan and Alec Burks. It's interesting, by the way. Jazz couldn't get a first for Boyan either. And they got Kelly in that deal. Um, Daniel Gafford, I don't know what the deal is. Gordon Hayward was not, was seconds. P.J. Washington was a first and two seconds. David Roddy was a pick swap. Uh, Pacers are trading Marcus Morris in a second round pick to cash for Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott's pretty good repl- to Indiana. Doug McDermott's been in Indiana before, and Doug McDermott's a pretty good replacement for Buddy Heald. So that's interesting. Um, the Jazz. I, I, I just want to clarify, uh, as a let's employee of the Jazz, I am waiting for a deal to become official, which is usually a, either by email to me, which I do not see or by the Jazz social media account tweeting something out that says it's official. So I have not seen that as of yet. Um, Once it is official, then I will discuss some of that. All right. Who is your winner of the NBA tread deadline with two minutes to go? The New York Knicks getting Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks has got to be the headliner. Got to be the headliner at this point. I also think the Dallas Mavericks are a massive winner here. Dallas Mavericks adding Daniel Gafford. So Dallas's defense has been just horrific recently. 30th in the NBA for like the last two weeks. For that, ever since Derek Lively got hurt. For them to add Daniel Gafford as a rolling center to play with Luke offensively, but more importantly, to solidify them defensively, is I actually think the biggest, when you look at the acquisitions, what you have to look at is who are they replacing, okay? So, like, for example, I don't think Royce O'Neal to Phoenix is that big a deal, except for the fact that he's replacing Keita Beats Diop, who wasn't really an NBA player. That's an upgrade. 
So when you start to look at these deals, who are they replacing? Who's he playing instead of? Who was getting those minutes? And when you look at Daniel Gafford is getting those minutes instead of, first of all, rookie Derek Lively, who is good, but he's a rookie. Or in Dallas's last game when Lively was hurt against Brooklyn, they started Maxi Kleba at center. They gave up Grant Williams, who just wasn't working out in Dallas at all. I always admire teams who get off decisions quickly. So Dallas, who has just been horrific defensively. And if I pull it up here, in the last 10 games in the NBA, I believe they were 30th in the league defensively. In fact, I thought, as can, well, we are actually, they were 26 in the last 30, in the last 10. If you go to the last 15, they are, last 15, Dallas defensively is 28th. Only Charlotte and Toronto's worse. So getting Gafford, I think, is a big step. And then also getting P.J. Washington is good. P.J. Washington's better than Grant Williams. So they upgraded, and they gave up a pick to do it. Um, and they gave up Rashawn Holmes, and I don't know what they gave up in draft capital for Daniel Gafford. And obviously the Knicks, the question again, let's go to, like, who's who's playing instead, and you're going to – the Knicks get a lot better. If we go back to the Knicks, last outing, Brunson does turn an ankle in this game when they play Memphis, but he, he plays. So they're Brunson, DiVincenzo, Harkenstein, Hart, and Achua because Randall is out. But Miles McBride played 32 minutes, probably another eight because of the fact that uh, uh, Brunson got hurt. Malachi Flynn had to play like 12 minutes. Taj Gibson, though, Boyan Bogdanovich is now probably starting on that roster. And Alec Burks is playing Miles Bridges minutes. And if Boyan's not starting, he's coming off the bench. They're, when they're healthy, with OG, they're without OG Ananobi. And, so when they are healthy, they're Jalen Brunson. Let's call it D. Vincenzo. He's been playing brilliantly at 32 the other night. OG Ananobi. Julius Randle, Isaiah Harkenstein, Alec Burks with Boyan Bogdanovich off the bench. Precious Achua and Josh Hart. Like, that's real. Should we do that again? Brunson DiVincenzo, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, Harkenstein starting. Boyan Burks. Achua, Hart off the bench. No true backup point guard. Alec Burks can handle it. That's good. If you look at the standings right now, as we've hit the trade deadline, and we've now crossed over, we'll see if there's any other news notes coming across from Woj or anyone else. Or um, the Boston Celtics are trading... Delano Banton to the Blazers for a second-round pick. The Blazers, the 76ers, are trading Jared Springer, who actually played really good defense against the Jazz the other night, to the Celtics for a second-round pick. And Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be waived by the Raptors. Interesting. I don't entirely know why Toronto's doing everything that they've done so far. 
Um, and I have not. Uh, I'll keep, look at our chat here for a second. You guys can have access to it as well. Um, usually, you get the tweets out from the Jazz reporters that say they've that the Jazz are done with their deals. That the Jazz are not making any more deals. Um, and we'll see whether or not we get those. Uh, we have not had that kind of jazz are done in the buy, uh, market um, so far. Um, there's some weird deals that just have taken the Jared Springer. I don't want to like make a big deal about because Jared Springer is not that big deal, but that's a really weird deal. Warriors are trading Corey Joseph to the Pacers. That's a tax dump. So. As we sit here, if in fact there aren't more deals coming across the table, there's some real stunners here. So Sacramento did nothing at 29 and 21 as seventh in the play-in. The Lakers, ninth at 27 and 25, did nothing. The Warriors at 23 and 25 did a tax dump. That's stunning. The I I unless I you know more things can still trickle in. But I also think we'll see. Uh the other one from a jazz standpoint is the additional minutes for Taylor Hendricks and possibly We'll see for Bryce Sensible. But Taylor Hendricks has been in the G League playing, learning how to play hard, learning how to play every night, learning how to play lots of minutes, getting in shape. Had some flashes due to injuries. And by the way, the guy on Instagram who just said those teams are on Pacific time, so they're a little behind. That's pretty funny. Uh, the, the, the last now 32 games of the season, 31 games of the season, Taylor Hendricks becomes a very important story for the Utah Jazz. And that's how it needed to be anyway. Like at some point in the season, it was time for Taylor Hendricks to move from G League basketball to NBA basketball. And get a feel and a taste and understanding of what he has to do coming up in the offseason. And I think that's uh, very, very important for the Jazz. And there's a little bit of a level like Taylor Hendricks was going to get minutes starting in October of next year. So we might as well start it in February of this year. You don't want to have it just be that Taylor Hendricks from the beginning of the year goes to training camp, gets his ass kicked by every single guy on the roster, and then the head coach says, yeah, but he's the ninth pick, so he gets to play. You'll lose the entire locker room. That's a disaster. I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's like Kelly's Kelly played better than that. Uh, somebody just told me that the Jazz just tweeted out a thank you to Kelly Olenek. If that, I, I need to confirm that to be true before I'm going to react on that. Let me see. And then I'm going to cry. Oh, there it is. All right, so... Uh, the Jazz have announced that they have acquired Kyra Lewis. So now let me just do a little typing here. I literally, so funny. I uh, I literally did not want to. Uh, uh, um, 
I didn't want to type it into my banners because I was scared that I might actually hit um, a, uh, there we go. Okay. All right. So the Jazz have acquired Kyra Lewis Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and a future first round pick from the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Ojai Abazi and Kelly Olenek. It is official, and we can now talk about it. So let me start with this. I don't mean this in, like, any disrespect to, like, any of their guys on the roster. Those are my, like, those are two. I don't want to say they're my favorites, but they really might be my favorites. Like, those are two absolutely awesome, incredible human beings. Ochai Abaji is the most mature, wonderful young man that I've <clears throat> been around in this league. Like, it's kind of a running joke that Ojai Abaji is the NBA player that all of us would want our daughter to date. Like, the one. He's just the best person. And Kelly is one of the truly most enjoyable people I've ever covered and talked to and been around. So I just want to open it by saying thank you to the humans. Like, they're so great. They're, so, they're such... I'm so lucky to have gotten to know them a little bit. I'm so lucky to have gotten to cover them. I'm so lucky to have been around Kelly Olenek and Ochai Abaji. Okay, let's talk about the trade. The Jazz drafted Taylor Hendricks with the ninth pick of the draft. Like, it's time. And Kelly was a roadblock to Taylor Hendricks. And Kelly at 32 is not on the timeline to what we're doing. Kelly's awesome. He wins us games. He does a bunch of things for us. He plays beautifully. He's a wonderful teammate. He enjoys being an NBA player as much as anyone I've ever been around. He is he is so valuable to being around. Yeah, there's a really strong argument you could have tried to sign Kelly Olynyk for the future, but and have him be just this forever veteran who's leading. But he's going to want to play. And as long as John Collins and as long as Walker Kessler and as long as Larry Markin are on the floor on the roster, Taylor Hendricks needs to play. And Kelly was in the way of that. So Andy was a free agent at the end of the year. So you're not really re-signing him. Or is he going to probably want to re-sign to play for the Utah Jazz because of the fact that Taylor Hendricks is there? For Ochai Abaji, so to some extent, you just traded Ochai Abaji for a future first-round pick. Now, Ochai was drafted, I think, 16th, and this is going to be a late 20s. So that's not perfect. And any pick after 11th in the NBA draft is 50-50 of whether they're going to be an NBA rotation player. And I actually think Ochai is still 50-50 of whether he's going to be an NBA rotation player. Like, Ochai opened the year as, like, the number one corner three shooter in the NBA. Where are my notes on this? He hit 22 of his last first 35 corner threes. He's hit six of 31 since. He's 15 of his last 59 from three. That's not great. So I think Ochai is, this trade will be determined on how Ochai develops and what the Jazz get with the pick. But really, the pick you're evaluating it right now. The pick, let's call it, it's a late first-round pick. It's a 50-50 opportunity to get a rotation player. 
It's a little interesting that the Jazz just got a early second and a late first of 2024. I do feel like you could move those together and get up a little bit in the draft next year if you want to. I also think, interestingly enough, that I, by the way, when people talk about a bad draft, I don't believe in that. The top five picks in the draft might not be very good this year. That's irrelevant to us. But there are players, you know, the Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert draft was called a bad draft, and those guys were available at like 16 and 27. Or 15, whatever it was. So, I'm not sure I buy like it's a bad draft like, oh, the whole way through. There's usually players somewhere along the way. So, the Jazz picked up two assets late in this draft and are now a participant in this draft where there's a real chance that we're going to convey our pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder and then not have been a participant in the draft. It's very hard to just get into a draft, but it's easier to move up a draft from inside of a draft. So the decision here by the Jazz was that the asset of a late first-round pick in this year's draft is better than Ochai Abaji's future. And Ochai, I love Ochai. I don't think he had shown a lot more than a off-the-bench rotation player whose shot has not proven to be wildly consistent, who is not rebounding, does not assist. He hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. Might happen in Toronto. The guy works hard. He's the best human being around. He's old. Like, he's mature. He's also old in developmental sense. So we'll see. That's that's the game you just played on that. And seeing Kelly, it's a bummer, but it makes sense. Um, I have not seen any other. Somebody's asking whether the Lakers got anything done. I have not seen anything um, as of yet. The latest uh, is just the Warriors uh, cast them. So that's where we sit. In summary, oh, the Jazz, my overall take on the Jazz, two deals, is they seem to get more than market value in picks for their players, okay? And then you can decide what you think the value of picks are. But the Jazz seem to get more than market value in picks for their players. And my, here, again, the last two years, There have been seven first-round picks last year traded. Josh Hart, Mike Conley deal, Jakob Pertl, and four for Kevin Durant. So the Jazz got one of those three first-round picks last year that was not for a superstar. This year, Pascal Siakam got three. Terry Rozier got one. P.J. Washington got one. And Ochai Abaji got one. That's really what happened there. Ochai Abaji got a first-round pick. By putting Ochai Abaji in the deal, you got a first-round pick. And the G- Kelly Olynyk got moved. So the Jazz got a late second, or, or excuse me, early second for Simone Fontecchio and basically a late first for Ochai Abaji. When in the last two years, there have been six first-round draft picks traded for somebody that was not an all-NBA player, and the Jazz have gotten two of them. Pretty good. Good work, Justin. Good work, Danny. 
By the way, Kyra Lewis, who's included in this deal, I loved coming out of the draft. He's super little, and the game has changed away from that player. He does have a 6'5 wingspan. Out of the draft, he was in the 89th percentile in spot up. He was in the 78th percentile in off-the-bounce shooting. He was in the 93rd percentile in transition. Those are my three numbers I liked. He was a very poor rim finisher, but his speed, elite speed and athleticism, 80% free throw shooter, which made you believe he could shoot. Great pick and roll player at Alabama. Went to the Pelicans, didn't play, tore his ACL, then they were good, and he didn't have a spot to play. He's never been given a chance. He's 6'1", I think. Some think, say 6'3". Some other places tried to claim he was 6'4". I think he's 6'1". He's little. Little guards struggle in the NBA now. So I don't have, like, I'm not popping up and down with massive high hopes. But I do think that the there is a chance that, like, he might be able to play a little. He might be worth it. I don't know his contract status. Um. He got traded, you know, New Orleans got off him this year. Um, he's listed at 6'1", 170 by basketball reference. He was listed at 6'3", in a bunch of draft publications. He really is not, there's no sample size of, I believe he is still making $5 million off his rookie deal and is a free agent at the end of the year. So, you know, keep, keep an eye. Um, Otto Porter is getting old and has been oft injured since he left the Warriors. I think he's former is now he's only 31. My gosh, feels like he's been in the league forever. Um, but he's only played 15 games this year and only played eight games last year. All right. Uh obviously we could go forever. I, I don't want to bore everyone. Let me just try to summarize where we are, make sure nothing else pops here in the final seconds um, on what's going on with deals and things of that nature. So to summarize, Otto Porter and Taylor Horton Tucker can now play the uh, role of being much younger than you actually think they are on our team. Um, So... uh, The, oh, thank you to Ochai tweet has gone out. Oh, makes me so sad. All right. By the way, the other aspect of this is the Jazz first round draft pick. So if the Jazz are in the top 10, they keep their pick. The Jazz are currently the 13th pick of the draft. The Houston Rockets are currently the 10th pick of the draft. And the Rockets are one game behind the Jazz in the loss column, but the win column is probably the one that matters the most because you're playing it reverse style here. The Jazz are three games up in the win column. Jazz are also three games up in the win column. The Warriors and the Bulls and Houston and Atlanta. So there is a chance the Jazz... Losing the minutes of Simone Fontecchio, Kelly Olynyk, and Ochai Abaji could slide back into the top 10 and end up with their pick and then end up having nine, 
late the late first that's a combination of other players of other teams like right now we would have Oklahoma City's pick we get the less good of all these picks that are being mentioned so ironically enough we would get OKC's pick and they would get ours at this point and it would be either 28 29 or 30 and then we have the second round pick that we just acquired as well so there is a chance we could walk into this draft with three play three picks i don't think we want to add three more young players to this roster um the other question is can the jazz stay into the play in match will hardy's surprised me at every step along the way in what we can do and what we do do so um i wouldn't be stunned if they're if we're able to do that uh rotation tonight and what is the jazz rotation we'll talk about this on locked on jazz tomorrow because we'll actually get to see it i mean i think you're still starting chris dunn um want to make sure nothing else has come through um i think you're still starting chris dunn called sexton I think we might see Lowry Markin and John Collins Walker Kessler tonight again. I don't, unless you're throwing Lucas Samanich or Taylor Hendricks into the starting lineup. Jordan Clarkson is still there to come off the bench. I think Jordan, John Collins, and Walker Kessler figure out they're meant Lucas Samanich, Taylor Hendricks getting minutes tonight. And then. I don't know exactly. I would assume you, Kevin Knox and Kyra Lewis will get some time and kick the tires to see where they are, particularly on Lewis, to see whether he gets if he has something to him. Worth noting, by the way, Danny Ainge had the pick after Kyra Lewis was drafted. So Kyra Lewis got drafted. Danny Ainge was next and took. Aaron Neesmith. Kyra Lewis fits like some of the guards. Danny likes scoring guards. Taylor Horton Tucker probably moves back into the rotation today. And Omir Yerksaven probably plays a little center for your 10. But I think you're probably starting Dunn, Sexton, Lowry, John Collins, and Walker Kessler. Unless you decide that it's better for Taylor Hendricks. To play with better players. Did I forget Keontae? I did. Never mind. Keontae, I did forget Keontae. Sorry about that. Kind of in my mind had him starting. I don't think you shuffle the whole deck and just start. Like I don't think you're doing that. I think that would be a hard one on the team. So I do think, so you're Chris Dunn, Colin Sexton, Keontae George, Jordan Clarkson are still your guards. I think John Collins and Walker Kessler could start with Taylor Hendricks playing some of those, and I still think you're going to separate Walker and John as much as you can. And then over time, Kevin Knox, Kyra Lewis could possibly get some time. I don't really see where Kyra Lewis is getting a lot of time on this roster. But Knox and Lucas Samanich could play. I'll tell you what, there was a time there where I thought Lucas Samanich was about to replace Ochai Abaji in the in the rotation anyway um we'll see if he knows if he's going to play 20 minutes a night if he might just kind of calm it down we're still in great place with cap space someone's wondering all right that wraps up the live show thank you very much i'll be back with you tomorrow
Um, I didn't include Bryce Sensible on that. I don't see the route by which he's getting minutes. But maybe play some three-guard lineups and get that done. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Uh, we have a lot of the G League guys are here tonight, so we'll see a bunch of different players tonight. Um, and the Jazz play the Phoenix Suns. Should be fun. Thank you very much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to the live show on Instagram as well as on uh, the YouTube channel. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. We now will send you over to the first ever 24-7 national sports channel, Locked on Sports Today. It's also available on Amazon Fire. If you're on Instagram, go check it out there as well. Have a good one.